Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, Bridging the Gap, Real Estate for Women. I think as women, we invest not just to put money in our pockets, but particularly we love to make an impact, right? Whether that be for ourselves, for our families, for communities that we invest in, like you're talking about apartments, or even for the larger world. Like that's really what we're impact. It's just community. And then how can we make a greater impact? As a woman in real estate, I know firsthand that women are underrepresented and still tentatively venturing into real estate investing. While that is slowly changing, my goal is to propel it forward. We can do this. I am Atara Torsky, an attorney and real estate sponsor and investor from New York City. It's my pleasure today to welcome Dr. Nancy Hoon, who is both a medical doctor and a real estate investor. Dr. Hoon studied at Harvard Medical School in the field of ophthalmology, and she is also passionate about ensuring global vision around the world. Her real estate investment platform is very appropriately named Clear Vision Investing. I love that. Nancy, I am so happy to be chatting with you today. How are you? I'm great, Atara. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, it's great. You know, we're similar in a lot of ways. You and I have spoken before and, you know, especially in our desire to really help professional women to really find balance in their lives through passive real estate investing. And I think a lot of women don't really like fully understand what that means. Like I'm going to find balance through real estate, but yes, you really can and you really will. (laughs) So let's jump right in and get started because I know like you took a different career path as did I am a lawyer, you're a doctor. So let's like find the trajectory. Tell us how you got started um, first as a physician and then how you made the transition. Yeah, I um, follow the very traditional path that many of us professional women do. We go to school, we get into a good school, we get good grades. We usually go to a professional school and then come out with a good high paying job. And we think that's the route um, to take because that's what we've been taught all along. So that's exactly the route that I followed. Um, I went to Ivy League schools, trained at the top programs, and then at the end of it became a doctor and a surgeon, right? The end on be all. Um, but as I got into my career, I was saying you made your parents perfectly proud. <laughs> that was what you were right, right. The, the perfect little daughter, right? Um, uh, um, it was it was my choice to become a doctor. But when I got to the end of it, um, I realized I didn't have as con- much control over my time, which is my most precious resource as I want it. And particularly when I had my first daughter, I wanted to spend that time with her to be there for those moments. And that's when it really hit me like, yeah, I'm making a great income, but I'm not being there for those moments that are really precious to me. And that's when I said, there has to be a better way. And I discovered passive income, which led me into the root of real estate. So how did you discover passive income? Like, was your husband involved? Had you grown up in a family like that? Not at all. So my parents actually came as refugees from Vietnam. So I'm actually the first to be born in the US and they never attended college. So knew nothing about how to navigate the system here. So, you know, I was just taught get a good job, save, 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 right? For a rainy day. Um, And then my husband, he's a physician as well, but he wasn't really into the passive income as well. He was just doing what we were taught to do, which was to work, 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 work. Um, And I said, there has to be a better way because there was this pain point pushing me. So I started doing my own research and then found out this topic called passive income, which led me to the little purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, 
by Robert Kiyosaki and my mind exploded. I was like, how come no one ever taught me this? I've been in 20 plus years of school. Um, and then it led me down the path of real estate. So that's how I got introduced to passive income. I said, this is what I need in my life. Right. Like well, for anyone who doesn't know the rich dad, uh, poor dad book, the whole, the whole really, I mean, it, it's a long and interesting read. So I'm not going to be able to give you the whole synopsis, but I think a big point of it is to um, teach people how to have your money work for you and not you work for your money. And I think that is really key to real estate investing. Um, so you started out just um, passively investing in other people's deals. Am I correct? No, I started off active, actually. You, you were never a passive investor. I, I was. I switched to passive investing. So this is the story. I did what everything, everyone, what I thought was being a real estate investor, which is go find a house, go find maybe a, a two unit, and then go buy it and put a tenant in. So I did exactly that. And I accumulated a good portfolio. But as I got further into it, I quickly realized I was essentially buying myself another job. <laughs> So even with a property manager, I was still getting the calls. I still had to do my research. I still had to put in the bid. So the one thing that I wanted to buy back, I was even taking up even more of that. So that's when I discovered passively investing into other people's deals. And then I shifted that way because what I was really after was my time, not really getting myself another job. Right. I, I always say it's like the time is a freedom. Um, and when you have that freedom of time, so many other things open up for you. So I am really kind of trying to dedicate this podcast to professional women to really teach them, you know, especially as um, moms and caregivers, whether it's for our children and or also for our parents at some point in our lives. Um, and for all the many people that counts on us, we just really don't have the, the time to do the, the things that we love and to explore the passions that we love. And I think that understanding that there is a way to earn income passively is such a gift for professional women. I would love to kind of talk about that a little bit, investing in other people's deals. And then I want to hear how you, you know, took down your, your first big deal, but what did it mean to you and how did you find you know, your first deal to invest in? Yeah. So on the active side, I did it all my own. I found the property, put it under contract and then put a tenant in. But in terms of the passive side, when I discovered that it was really just getting educated first. Cause I think a lot of us, even as professional women with all this education, we're not educated about finances and money and investing in particular. So without that education, there's this fear, right? Fear of losing money or fear of not knowing what we do and we don't have the roadmap. So the first step that I took was just getting educated about what is a real estate syndication? Because oftentimes we never even heard of this term, right? It sounds like some Bernie Madoff or some multi-marketing scheme going on. So when I discovered, hey, this is not a scheme, it's something actually really real that has been going on for many, many years, and people have built their wealth through this. And it's now just becoming more in the public because of the Jobs Act um, that was passed that allow people to publicly advertise this. It's because before, it was kind of like private networks, you have to be in the appropriate country clubs to hear about this. Um, so when I discovered that this was actually a vehicle, I was like, that's what I'm looking for is that really to earn that passive income. But I didn't want to be a landlord. 
Like, I don't want to deal with the tenants, the trash and the termites. What I was really after was just gaining that passive income to buy my time back. And I could leverage other people's time, expertise, and their team to be able to do that and share in the returns with them. So how I found the first deal was um, the most important thing I tell people is you really have to have trust in the sponsors who are actively running the deal. That's first and foremost. If you have any you know, gut feeling that it, they're not good people or they're not trustworthy, just stop right there. Don't even look at the deals, no matter how great the returns. So I spent my time really just talking to sponsors, seeing who I connected with, getting references, and then deciding, and then looking at the deal to decide if it fit my investment goals. Your criteria, right? Because, you know, especially um, through the internet, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors involved in, in, in all fields, but especially in the field of real estate, where, you know, people could put together a great website and they can talk a great game, but then can they really follow through? And when they, when you come down to the nuts and bolts, you really have to see if people are real. And the wonderful thing about LinkedIn is that you can find real great people on them. They exist and it's a great professional way to network, but you also have to do your own research and your own investigation. And, you know, they say something very interestingly about women that they do, uh, they are more tentative to invest in real estate, but the reason for that is because they love to be knowledgeable and to research and they're not going to go into deals the way. Um, and, and again, it, it's specific to people, I believe. So it's not gender based entirely. But as a group, they say men will just forge more quickly. It's just in their nature to take the leap. And women are more tentative. But the, the upside to that is that they really do want to understand and research. And so that's actually a wonderful thing. And there are so many tools now to be able to do that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think we, it, it's not that it's a, a negative or a hindrance. I think it's actually a positive for women because a lot of us, um, when we don't know something from A to Z, we usually don't want to act until we know. So as you said, we're a little bit more cautious than our male counterparts, not to say is right or wrong, but you know, studies have shown that actually once women do invest, we're actually better investors than men, not to make this a competition, but I think it's because we do our due diligence and do our research, right? If you apply it to just our daily lives, there's so many skills that are transferable. For instance, for those of us who, who've had childcare, daycares, or even nannies, how many hours did we spend researching the school, researching the nanny, talking and interviewing them before we bring them into our home? I mean, that it's the same concept applied to real estate is that we're just a little bit more cautious before we jump in and say, you know, let's team up, let's go into this marriage for real estate. Well, I love to say how you do one thing in your life is how you do everything. So as women, that's exactly to your point is, yeah, we are just a research based in so many different areas of our lives that we want to do well. And, and so this can be just one more of them. It would just be helpful if you could tell us like, what was the deal returns that you felt you were looking for as a passive investor? Everyone's criteria is different. So that's the most important, you know, key thing to, when you start off is define your criteria. What are you looking for when you're looking at these investments so that you're not just going after the next shiny object? So for myself, because, you know, I'm not a 20 year old, but I'm also not a 70 year old who's in retirement. I'm kind of in the middle where I'm looking for passive income or cash flow, but also looking to build wealth. So I want that upside when they sell as well. So for the deals that I was looking at, I was looking for both cash flow from day one, preferably, 
um, when they close a deal, but also that there's an upside when they sell the property at the profits. So what I like to invest in is actually apartment buildings because I find that it provides consistent cash flow, but also they could drive up the value of the building, um, you know, just by increasing income or decreasing expenses, and then you could sell it for a profit. So that's what I was looking for was both a combination of cash flow and then equity upside on the sale. And I also think what's nice about apartment living and multifamily is on a human level, you're able to really build community. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do that, um, even as a passive investor, it's not that you have a say as a passive investor, no one's like bringing you to the table and saying, Hey, Nancy, like, so what do you think? Like, what, what should we renovate this, this kitchen? Do you think that they'll like it like that? That's not going to happen to be clear when you're a passive investor, but it is nice to have the ability to be with sponsors who care about the property and say, Oh, do children live here? Let's make a playground. Let's make a park. Let's make a dog park. You know, so that's also something that's really nice about multifamily investing because it can bring that meaning back into what you're doing as well. Absolutely. I think as women, we invest not just to put money in our pockets, but particularly we love to make an impact, right? Whether that be for ourselves, for our families, for communities that we invest in, like you're talking about apartments, or even for the larger world, like that's really what we're impact is just community. And then how can we make a greater impact? And I think it's particularly for apartments, like you said, it's just prime for that because these are places that actual people live in. These are where memories are made, where children grow up, where birthday parties are are to be had. So you think about all the residents' lives that you impact. That's why I love multifamily in particular. I agree. So, okay, you, Nancy, are still practicing as a physician, right? So I want to hear a little bit about that before we go back to the the real estate, um, because I know that you're now also investing in not just a passive way. Um, But tell me a little bit about how you're balancing both both, uh, careers. Yeah, I still practice. So I am an ophthalmologist, which is just a fancy term for being an eye doctor and a surgeon. So I get the privilege of helping people with their eyesight, um, you know, both medically and then surgically. And then since I've gotten into real estate, that's been my other passion. Um, And then in terms of because I'm, I'm able to impact people in a different way with the real estate, but patients one-on-one with real estate, I'm really able to educate and just open people's eyes, you know, not to no pun intended, but, you know, open their, you know, cure their financial blindness in a way, right. To see, to show them there's another way. When I think of, of doctors or lawyers or like professional women, I always think, oh my goodness, there's just not enough time in the day. Now add kids to the mix, right? Like, so, so how are you doing that? And, and are you dividing it by like your week? There's a certain number of hours that you devote to being a doctor and others to being an investor, or is it day by day? How, how do you like practically work through both of these. Yeah, absolutely. I think first of all, it's just getting your priority straight, right? But on a more granular level, it's just time blocking. So I have basically the weekend before, I pretty much have my whole schedule set for the week um, from the hour so that I don't have to think like when I wake up, it's almost like I just go on autopilot to know that. I mean, not to think say that things don't derail it, right? Like children get sick, they, they need this and that. But at least you kind of have a roadmap of what you want to accomplish and you could push things off and then time block it on another day. Um, and then the other, the other key thing I, that has been huge in, my, in kind of dividing my time is just something called values-based decision-making. 
because they're so we're so poor in so many ways. We could say yes to 10 million things. But I found that if I got my value straight, like what is most important to me? Family, you know, growth, contribution, um, my children, um, making an impact. When I'm presented with opportunities, it's much easier for me to say yes, but it's also much easier for me to say no. So I say no to a lot of things more than I say yes. Um, because Roy Disney says from Disney says, when your values are clear to you, um, the, the decision making becomes much easier. So I don't have to mull over, you know, hours and hours making pros and cons lists when I have those values in front of me. So that's something I would encourage, you know, all professional women to do is just define what's important, those core values, and then base your decisions around that. If it doesn't fit, you know, out the door goes. I actually love that. I think that's really smart. I think that intuitively, probably a lot of people are already doing that. But once you pencil it and write it down, it becomes imprinted in your brain. So I think that's such an important thing. I love the idea of doing a weekly schedule. I do actually, uh, before I go to sleep every night, I write out my schedule for the next day. And the truth is, I find that many things get carried over and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay if I don't finish everything on my to-do list, but at least as you say, it's a roadmap of what should be done and what can be done. Right, it's kind of like um, when we give a value, like a budget, right? You give you give your money a place. It's kind of like giving your time a place of what is purposeful. Um, so when you understand your values and belief, then you know what to cultivate in your life and what to avoid and what to put on your calendar. And I think it really stops you from going off to these tangents and overextending yourself to the point where you find yourself that you're doing things that don't align with you. And then you're stressed out and burned out. Um, because I've been there, you know, don't get me wrong. I've been there. <laughs> we, have, well, we, we have not found all the answers. Let's be clear. We're Absolutely. still looking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I for sure am. A living document, <laughs> a living being. <laughs> okay. So tell me, I know you're also really passionate about eyesight, like, and ensuring that globally, we ensure that everyone who should be seeing can be seeing. So tell me a little bit about that because that's so meaningful. Yeah, one of my main passions as an eye doctor and surgeon, obviously, is to help people with their eyesight. Um, but a larger global problem that many people do not realize is that 80%, four out of five people are unnecessarily blind. I mean, I just want people to just sink, let that sink in for a moment. Like, um, can you imagine, for instance, that you could never see the sunrise again? Or I encountered um, this this mom who, after we get to cataract surgery on her, was able to see her five-year-old child for the first time because she was blind when she gave birth. So those are stories that just keep coming. And I was attracted, I got interested um, in being an eye doctor when I went on a mission trip um, abroad in Ghana. And I saw the miracle of cataract surgery for the first time when someone who was completely blind came in, was hunched over, and literally a five, 10 minute cataract surgery, a $25 surgery, opened this man's eyes and he walked out, straightened up and the proudest person that, that could be. So that's what touched my heart and is so near and dear that so many people are blind unnecessarily and we could just give less than a dollar medications for some, some conditions, a $25, five minute cataract surgery, or even a pair of glasses to some of these kids or an adults that could cure most of this blindness. 
Um, so that is a huge cause and near and dear to my heart. So, you know, we were talking about impact earlier. That's one impact that I'm doing with my investments in real estate is I donate a portion of the profits that I make from my real estate investments to this cause. Um, just because I, you know, I think investing is great, right. To provide the financial returns, but how much greater it is when you could share that and make an impact, you know, worldwide or even in your community or even in your family, it doesn't have to be something grand, but think about when you're investing, what impact and what greater good can you do? And that's, that's the challenge I would give to your audience is I think we're all after that, you know, at some point. I think that's true. I think like we're in kind of almost a crisis of, of people feeling like unhappy, severely unhappy. I think the pandemic just brought that to the forefront and made it almost like acceptable to say, I'm so unhappy. And that's really a good thing because now people are able to talk about it. And once you can talk about it, um, then you can go to the next step of solving it. Um, so I think I think that the antidote or one of the antidotes for that is really to find meaning and impact in our lives. And that is definitely, as I, I think we can for sure agree, and most people will, it's not money that makes you happy, right? It's the other ways that you connect with people and that you help people. So I'm just going to say, if there's people out there wanting to invest, they should definitely think about investing with Nancy because what you're doing is really beautiful. Like it touches my heart to like, think like a lot of people say, yeah, I'm giving back, I'm giving back, but you actually really are taking a portion of money and giving it. And that's not so easy to do, right? Once the money comes in, people need to get paid and it gets harder and harder to, to like siphon off money. So I'm really impressed with that. It's a yeah. beautiful. But I, I, the other thing is as you give more, it just becomes part of you. And, it, and, and, you know, Tony Robbins, who I love and, and follow, he says the secret to living is giving. I mean, he's helped, you know, Mother Teresa, Bill Clinton, you know, all these people. And so he's seen the world, right? He's seen people's lives. And he says, the secret to living is giving. And it's just very simple, but so profound, right? The more you give, the more that it touches you, but the more that you could impact, make an impact. That's beautifully said. So what's in uh, store for you? What do you like? It's such a crazy market, right? Inflation, interest rates, it's all anyone in our world talks about, right? But, but where do you see, because I still see opportunities and I'm curious if you do as well. And where do you see the, the future in the short term and then in the longer term? I definitely think there are still opportunities. They might not be as easy to find as a five, 10 years ago, um, just because the market has compressed a lot. However, in any cycle, I believe you can find opportunities. You just have to look for it a little bit more carefully. Uh, but the other thing is you also have to be more careful about the deal that you're looking at because some of the projections that people are making is unrealistic or unsustainable. So really digging into the underwriting and seeing if the business plan makes sense is really critical. Um, but I still strongly believe in real estate and in particular multifamily because everyone's always going to need a place to live. You know, what, what are the basic human needs? Food, clothing, shelter. So, so no matter what, in a down economy or an up economy, someone's going to need a roof over their head. So multifamily is not going away. And I think it's even going to become, become more in demand, right? As we're talking about rising interest rates, people are not going to be able to afford buying a home like they have been over the past years with these low, low interest rates. 
and population in certain, you know, cities continue to grow. So there's always going to be a demand and people are always going to be moving in and out. So I still strongly believe in multifamily in the right market with the right people and with the right asset class. I think, I think that's well said. I think that this economy is really going to weed out um, the people who are really able to do this well and the people who are not. So that's actually good for everybody, you know, passive investors for sure included in that. So Nancy, thank you. Before we end, tell me where can people find out more about you? Yes, they could visit my website. It's clearvisioninvesting.com. And then you could also reach me by email at nancy at clearvisioninvesting.com. Thank you, Nancy. I hope you'll come on again. I, I really think you're fantastic. And I really love what you stand for and, and how you speak about it, because I think it really comes through that it's really from the heart. So thank you. Thank you, Atara. All right. Bye for now. Bye.